1: Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. If this is the first time you've tuned in, well, this is a bit different program I have for you today than usual. I need to share. I've been cruising around on quite a journey, transitions. Perhaps you could call it a reality check, taking my own advice, or perhaps just balking at the changing world I see around me. I've been traveling externally and internally, I tuned into the world news, to the landscapes, and to the people. I found huge gaps of culture shock and feel the passing of an era, from one I knew well to one I find myself on rather shaky ground. The traditions and values I grew up with are giving way beneath the onslaught of the pressure we seem to all be feeling today to live fast and live it up now before it's all gone. The transient to the intransient to the internet. All the dot-com and startups that don't seem to ever finish, and instead just fade away. Smart technology replacing actual smarts. It all finally hit home. Like a shot to my emotional solar plexus, it hit me right where I live. Like a smart bomb dropped into my soul and into my heart, which always felt like a buffer zone, a parallel universe of sanctuary. Now I see the American dream come home to roost in my backyard. I guess I, too, have become a NIMBY. That means not in my backyard. But that's just it. We've all become NIMBYs. But it's always going to be in somebody's backyard, isn't it? My backyard is outside a small, famous town in the Rocky Mountains. Famous for its silver mines back in the 1800s, its wilderness, wildlife, outdoor, out there, backcountry living, hiking, music, and culture of arts and ideas, which was, back in the days of its founding fathers and mothers, cowboys and Indians, and explorers and entrepreneurs, its core foundation – then it became about our tremendous snow, and following World War II, the ski training ground struck gold with the emergence of the Olympic downhill skiing and endless powder snow days and blue skies and glorious weather, which led it to become a world-class ski resort. But again, it was still always about the mountains, the outdoor accessibility, and nature that most ideas sprung from that essence, the art and architecture and business being such a part of it, that no matter where you turned, we lived by the rhythms nature produced and provided. A land of seasons. Here we call it the land of three seasons, July, August, and winter. But even that is chasing, changing as we find climate shifts. The news you hear, the science, the facts. So much so that we are becoming jaded to the meaning. The global climate shift does eventually come home to roost right outside your door. But what we're saying instead is, boy, some weird weather we're having, isn't it? Well, as Thomas Friedman calls it, we're in for global weirding. And that it most surely is. This weirding is everywhere, in everything, my friends. I know you feel it too. Now there's a new era that has been established. In the beginning, this natural splendor that drew people into my backyard seems to have been co-opted into entertainment, recreational activity, and competition. It's all about being the winner of some imaginary race against each other. The biggest sports competition or the biggest home, owning the most beautiful view, the best penthouse on restaurant row, and then put up a locked gate to keep the riffraff from straying into your territory. That buying into this place somehow buys you into an elite, private membership, destination, and playground for the ultra-rich and celebrity. Don't get me wrong, this place has always been home to wealth, but it was a wealth of a different sort, not just based on a value of currency, the fatness of your stock portfolio, and the name brands hanging in your closet. The wealth that drew us here was scattered about, shared, toward creating places and spaces that would accommodate the community, both the locals and the visitor. Somehow we actually think and teach that we own this earth, that it's ours to do with what we will. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I find it a damn shame that our culture must be bought for us by those who relocate, but simply end up recreating the chaos they sought to leave behind that the manip excuse me, the manipulation of reality into fantasy will somehow be better than our wild world and the mess we leave behind and somehow be different. Instead, what was open space with ranching and life ways has become a valley of urbanization, sprawl, and a lifestyle. Here, in this little town of splendor, the visitor population often outnumbers the local population three or four to one during the high seasons, our summer cultural offerings, and our winter snow. There is a loss of the basic understanding that there are people who really do live here. It's not Disneyland, it's our home. I imagine the communities across Africa often feel the same, that there are real people who supply the pipeline to the tourist industry, and there are those, like me, who find these the perfect places to try and save the world, tune people in to the tectonic shift that is happening around us. The locals of the history of this place, and so many others around our wild world, are being replaced by bulldozing the abundance, fracturing the wild spaces, to recreate in its place a sanitized version of something that is supposed to resemble a community and wilderness, but heaven forbid the bear, the lion, or the weather interrupt our holiday. In other words, the shift isn't working. There's an underlying irritation we all feel with the substructural changes, whether it's out-of-place mansions that remain empty or fly-by-night scammers and schemers in for the quick buck, a false sense of refuge behind the coded security entry gates and walls paving over paradise. It's been a reality check (coughs) to see my home Go from a community of visionaries and ski bums with PhDs, being displaced and replaced through time and circumstance from our meager roots. Offering instead a whole new mentality that would have you buying into believing the fantasy... We're selling out, folks, selling our souls and our world to the corporate sponsorship and takeover of what were once truly unique, exciting, groundbreaking experiences. Experiences that made impacts on the larger world, a place in history, an anchor. The world has changed and somehow, all of a sudden, it's thrown me for a loop. That perhaps I'm not as prepared for what we are facing and what I keep talking about as I had thought. Well, not only is that a revelation of self that takes some time to fully sink in, integrate, and find a response that fits, I find myself very personally facing the thresholds and concepts of what this program is all about. I am not outside looking in, I'm inside looking out at exactly the same precipice of paradigm shift that a quarter of a century ago I'd helped so many to face and prepare for in my work across Africa. And look at Africa now, chasing some corrupt version of the American dream that China and the West proposed to offer as something better than what they already have. Africa, too, is selling out, as the world takes inventory of their resources faster and faster, putting a price tag on something that has a far deeper value than the dollar bill. I am keenly aware of the state of the world. This program highly attests to that. This platform, this show, is my way of sharing creativity and the ability to help us understand what it is we really need, an attitude adjustment and focal shift around the world. I hope to share knowledge, information, and perspective of what's going on all around us and how these various activities, actions, politics, and policies are affecting each of us to our core, our earth, and further as to how to take part in connecting the dots to the big picture and find the hands to hold and warm hearts so each of us has a safe haven no matter where we are. This is such an important responsibility to ourselves and each other. To know that which may seem to be mundane daily tasks are also at the same time creating our future for every living beating heart the world over. Know this, my friends. It's how we go about our daily lives that we share with others, which is forming our societies, our cultures, our political and educational systems. We are at a turning point, folks. This era will, in history, be one that stands out like a sore thumb, that will, in future, be one to make us cringe and hang our heads in shame. Our current age of industrialization has turned into the age of man, the era of me and the selfie, while all around us, the sixth mass extinction happens right under our feet and right before our eyes. Those who choose to care and look closely know this and feel it. We feel it in our guts. We, you and me, we have some important choices and decisions to make. Alone, each one seems small and insignificant, but together, they are the tidal waves, the tsunami, that will move us from this era of violence, mistrust, and destruction into an era of life. We all need to get with the program of working on a survival plan, not just for us people, but island earth, okay? Like I always say, we have only one earth. If we don't care, who will? Can you hear me now? As I see what is happening around us and form a visual map of where we've been and where we're headed, the only place that really counts is being right smack dab in the middle of the now, the present. But it's so slippery, isn't it? So rapidly changing and shifting that it's hard to be present. I find I often get so far up into my head, deep into my belly button window, or where the sun don't shine to remember that I am living now, in the present, that I am a living part of the intricate creation and evolution happening at every moment around me. I will admit that I forgot how, as we said in my day, to be here now, because I am terrified of where I see us going. My mind is usually focused on the premise that we are a part and parcel of living upon the earth, literally the dirt beneath our feet, which has always been the living room of the landscape and its wildlife before I stood here. These places where we have chosen to settle and coexist with all our neighbors. I am most keenly aware of my non-human and wild neighbors, many of whom are carnivore. I grew up with the simple and fundamental understanding and a sense of values that contained and respect my my roots, culturally, but also respect the land for what it provides that the land will always fill my needs and take care of it. It's called stewardship. So, on that note, stick with me. We'll be right back.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot
2: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
0: You're listening to L.A. Weiss and Our Wild World
1: back. I had mentioned the term stewardship right before the break, and hopefully you all remember Alda Leopold and the Sand County Almanac. If you haven't read it, then I suggest you do. It's the knowledge that Earth, the land, has always been here first. We are temporary. I am temporary. A cosmic blink, a hot flash on a starry night. And in my mind and my soul, I liked that thought. It comforted me, but my reality check is that this picture of ignorant bliss and happiness is shattering. So, here we are. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I never understood that saying when I was young. That's because you need to be alive long enough for evolution to show its minute shifts, those skipping points where quantum bridges have been built to have walked on the planet long enough to see the course of shifted paradigms play out. It is here that one sees the fundamentals. Usually moral and ethical fundamentals haven't changed, but the battles of good versus evil, right or wrong, seem to have become liquid, fluid, flexible. I can't say I'm pleased with the societal and cultural path choice we've taken, Somewhere along the way, we decided to take the low road, visit the red light district, and hang around in the gutter for a while. It's been a harsh on my Woodstock mellow. Reality check. We're forgetting that we need to teach our children what goodness means it is an intimate instinct innate instinct but it must be nurtured and taught at every turn we have generations of youth alive today these young people who are our future that have not read the books of the great thinkers they haven't walked the planet long enough lived long enough to see history turn its wheels and the cycles repeat these changes are all brand new to them And the way they've learned to deal with the pressing issues we are all facing is based on outmoded thinking through an educational system and cultural dumbing down and political partisan shifts and media mayhem that is wholly bought and paid for. What once stood for goodness and progress has been replaced with an insatiable appetite of lust for stuff, a corruption rotting humanity to the core. I feel like I'm living in a third world country. So much has gone awry from two decades ago, and we need to push the reset button. Remember that it is never too late to dream a new dream. We used to encourage the reading of great novels and stories, the facts and fictions of our time and history. Remember A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley? In 1931, he wrote... By means of ever more effective methods of mind manipulation, the democracies will change their nature. The quaint old forms, elections, parliaments, supreme courts, and all the rest will remain. The underlying substance will be a new kind of totalitarianism. All the traditional names, all the hallowed slogans, will remain exactly what they were in the good old days. Democracy and freedom will be the theme of every broadcast and editorial. Meanwhile, the ruling oligarchy and its highly trained elite of soldiers, policemen, thought manufacturers, and mind manipulators will quietly run the show as they see fit. Does this thrum a chord deeply in your soul? Or how about this quote from Carl Sagan? It seems to me what is called for is an exquisite balance between two conflicting needs, the most skeptical scrutiny of all hypotheses that are served up to us and at the same time a great openness to new ideas. If you are only skeptical, then no new ideas make it through to you. On the other hand, if you are open to the point of gullibility and have not an ounce of skeptical sense in you, then you cannot distinguish the useful ideas from the worthless ones. Or, to reiterate Plato, one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. And then Margaret Mead, the great cultural anthropologist, said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. This brings me to education. We do well to deeply consider and shift our educational systems to one that nurtures creativity rather than undermines it. There is a wonderful TEDx uh, presentation by Sir Ken Robinson called How School Kills Creativity. Ted's, uh, excuse me, Sir Robinson's humor and wit is refreshing. His outright truth and diplomacy is earth-shattering. Forgive me, Ken, but I'm going to flagrantly repeat your words here because I can't think of a better way to say it than you did. For we are all stakeholders and shareholders in what our educational systems are teaching and how to encourage our young to shine in a world that often today rejects novelty and change. Listen to this from Ken. We do not have a clue what we'll be facing in five years, let alone ten years' time, and we are not educating our youth and young adults to be creative. Our focus on the educational and university system over the past few hundred years is no longer serving us to help us solve the issues we face today or will be facing in the near future. Today, creativity is as important to teach and prepare for as literacy. Sir Robinson further says, What is so wonderful about children is they'll take a chance. They're not frightened of being wrong. They'll wonderfully wing it. The point here, he states, is that not being afraid to be wrong is not necessarily the same thing as being creative, but that children are prepared to come up with something original and take a chance. That if we're not, as children, prepared to be wrong, by the time we're adults, we've lost the capacity to take a risk. And that if, as adults, not prepared to be wrong, then we'll not come up with anything original. That our educational system and cultural system has taken to stigmatizing mistakes with the result of educating people out of their creative capacities. An example he uses is that we never think of Shakespeare as being a child or of having a father, that we simply take at face value that his writings just are just think of this for a moment, a young Shakespeare who learned his art, and that art and creativity has been and retained and held through the tests of time, until now, it seems. And that is my point. Mr. Robin- Sir Robinson asks us to think of this. Every educational system in the U.S., in the world for that matter, has the same hierarchy of subjects, math, languages, humanities, and at the bottom, the arts. And with that higher, within that hierarchy of the arts, music and literature hold a higher priority than, let's say, drama and dance. Instead, what we see happening in our educational system, and as our children go, this system ends up educating us only from the waist up, eventually only focusing on the head, as though our bodies are off to one side, just a means of transport for carrying around our heads. We need to instill and encourage the use of our bodies. Remember to dance, to sing, to move, to not be so completely reliant upon an educational system that is predicated upon academic ability and aptitude and the ability to pass standardized tests that over the recent years seem to have become politicized to move as many masses of youth as we can through the system toward a focus upon careers. Our current educational system came into being during the age of industrialization, churning out students that would eventually find jobs in the market or become professors. Remember being told you'll never get a job being an artist or a dancer? We are inundated today with the madness for instant fame and some nebulous notion of celebrity. Isn't it really just so much flash and hand-waving as we constantly seek the next big thing, the next big fad? What happens next? What happens next is that many children and young adults come through this system thinking they have no talent, or are actually stigmatized for standing out and being different, being creative, until they actually become the next big thing and and can say, I told you so. What we know is that no matter which way you slice it, we can't afford to continue this system. Here's some scary news. In 30 years, according to UNESCO, more people will be graduating through our educational systems than at any other time in our history. With the huge explosion of technology and demographics, suddenly a degree isn't worth what it was years ago. We need to radically review how we think of intelligence. It is dynamic and fluid. The human brain is wonderfully interactive with an ability to process information, sound, smells, and senses all at once. We need to redefine what we call intelligence and move toward a fluid educational system that focuses much, if not more, these dynamics and creativity. Instead, we are so busily multitasking, so many things demanding our attention at the same time, the TV, the radio, the internet, our email, our smart devices, that we do not allow our brains the time it requires, it takes to tune in and focus, move into the thinking processes and wave patterns that allows for absorption of what we've learned. It takes 30 minutes for the brain to settle into a wave pattern that allows for this deep focus and attention and to absorb what it has learned for long-term memory. If we use our break time from our busy active work hives to go to the gym out to lunch, all the while continuing to multitask via the multi-screen televisions with talking heads, split screens, text banners running across with the latest crises while we're listening to music, emailing or texting. It begs the question, What have we just learned? Sure, you accomplished many tasks, but have we, on the whole, stimulated a focus on any one particular thing or created solutions to some of our most pressing problems? No, we're pretty much leaving that up to the thinkers and will stand by and wait for the pronouncement of our advances or our losses on the nightly news. I fear, as we live in an ever more cloud-based digital and virtual world of instant access and gratif- gratification that we will lose ourselves, our individuality, our creative creativity, and our history. Between partisan politics and cronyism, protect, excuse me, corruption and budget cuts, National Enquirer and reality TV, we're teaching our youth that the only contest we care about is the extreme. We are stuck in some time warp of forever six-year-olds standing in the cereal, cereal box aisle, overdosed on sugar and screaming, I want it and I want it now. As humanity spreads across the world in the form of Galleria mega malls, discount box stores filled with cheap imports or high-end glitz in exchange for infrastructure and roads and paid-for politics, we're missing the point. In our rush to be the winner, to pave over and dig asunder our last remaining wild places, we are selling out not just our heritage, cultures, and valuable traditions, we are killing ourselves by reducing the ability of our homeland Earth to take care of herself let alone provide for us not just today but forever and that is a very very long time indeed in the words of martin luther king human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice suffering and struggle the tireless exertions and passionate concern of the dedicated individuals but when will we ever find the time Speaking of development, after the break, I'm going to bring you an interesting uh, article from a Kenyan economist and blogger, Patrick Gathara, of Gathara's World, titled The Monsters Under the House. And in this particular article, titled The Religion of Development, he has some rather astounding things to say about what we're doing today. So stick with me. This is Ellie Weiss in our Our Wild World. I'll be right back.
0: W-I-L-D-I-Z-E
2: dot O-R-G Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com
0: You're listening to L.A. Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's one 472 5788 If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world.
1: And welcome back. Before the break, I was leading up to a point about development, And I'd like to repeat here some of the words from Patrick Gathara, who you can find online at Gathara's World or at Gathara on Twitter. He does an incredible blogging uh, column, The Monsters Under the House, and this particular article is titled The Religion of Development. Development has become some sort of religion whose creed we mindlessly regurgitate without ever seriously contemplating its meaning. It is a faith whose promises are never seriously questioned, whose dogmas are sacrosanct and which tolerates no heresy. And like most other blind faiths, it has led us unfailingly down the path of underdevelopment, poverty, and misery." Kenya's obsession with symbolism and the terrible realities the symbolisms are employed to mask. Gathara asks, what really is development? What do we mean when we speak it? Is it having tall buildings, roads with multiple lanes and standard gauge railways? For many, this is what it signifies. But is giving away promises of railways, sports and laptops really what development is? one would assume that development is about solving problems, about bettering lives. But in a nation that primarily walks to work, or indeed to anywhere else, one must wonder about the obsession with roads, but not walkways, in the city. Who are they for? Now, it, this is certainly not to say Kenya doesn't need roads or rail, railways, but it is meant to question the rationale for them. There is little public discussion about the benefits, benefits and costs of development, and for whose benefit it is carried out. Is this ringing any bells for you? As Gathara furth, thir- I'm sorry, as Gathara furth. Further writes, that's a mouthful, we've got ourselves a flag and an anthem and our president got a limousine and outriders and an entourage. We built monuments to the great leaders while the people starved and worshipped the growth of something called the economy and gross domestic product, even as that produce was stolen and its producers impoverished. Furthermore, that few journalists bother discuss the fact that Kenya is quietly turning itself into a major money laundering center that over the last decade, according to Global Financial Integrity, a U.S.-based financial watchdog, the amount of illicit money entering Kenya from faulty trade, invoicing, crime corruption, and shady business activities has increased more than fivefold in a decade to equal roughly 8% of Kenya's economy. Instead, our global news hounds hush up the fact that many of the people, either holding the levers of power or competing for the privilege to do so, as well as their friends and relatives, have been implicated in the illegal activities like wildlife poaching, charcoal trading, and narcotics, which are not only flooding the country with dirty money, but also filling up the coffers of Al-Shabaab Terror Group, which is responsible for the murders of hundreds of Kenyans. I'm sorry, but I... I'm not sorry. I need to keep quoting Patrick because it all just sounds so familiar, not just to Kenya, but around the world. He continues, "...while we are discovering that pretending to eat at the cool kid's table will only get us so far, when we refuse to do the real work of thinking things through and questioning what our government tells us, when we allow our rulers to replace policy with politics and our journalists to pretend public interest is the same thing as what the public is interested in, then we are inevitably setting ourselves up for tragedy. So, here we are again. I've come full circle on this journey into reality that it almost feels better for the sake of my sanity to live inside my belly button. In our rush for modernization and progress, we have missed the mark. We are becoming those folks in that movie, Wall-E, blobs that don't move, live in our heads, and leave the body and host behind. Thankfully, alongside this reality, there is a parallel universe. Those of us who do remember that we need to return to the physical, the body, and use our creative minds, and to do so, we need to treat them both well. Feed them wonderful good food. Fill our souls and hearts with music instead of noise. Stop our lips from moving and listen for a change. Engage and feel the deep fundamental earth beat that connects us all rather than continue this virtual existence of isolation, interacting through our smartphones and tablets alone. We need to encourage and nurture the knowledge and creative synapse thinking, encourage quantum connections in ourselves, in our children, and thus grow our societies and cultures. Quit looking for the enemy and start finding friends that will help move us, literally, into the future. As we pressure ourselves by a clock unique to man and a reward system based upon slavery to the corporate gods, we're wasting a unique opportunity to use the most amazing organic software we've been given, our brains and our earth, science, creation, the divine and imagination. Stop this pressure to keep moving and filling our brains 24-7 from so many inputs, both sensory and physical, simultaneously. Stop in order to give ourselves the benefit of what we can be, to really absorb, digest, and be present. So many of us seem to be always living in the next moment that we're not quite enjoying this one. We're not allowing ourselves the pleasure and joy that comes from providing downtime or quiet time for the brain or with friends, or over a fantastic meal, to integrate with the physical place that holds and feeds the genesis Genesis of dreams, imagining, and creating. There are things we do because they feel right, even if they make no sense and make no money. Can it really be that simple that this is the real reason we are here? I would like to think so, But how do we relearn to love each other, to eat each other's cooking, listen to the music, and say it was good, if we're not face-to-face but just on Facebook? Have our thoughts and dreams been reduced to picture icons and the language of texting and 125-character tweets? What the heck happened to our attention spans? Why are we in so constant need of the next fix, the next adventure, the next adrenaline rush, the next million, the next winner? the next war. I see us all worrying, stressing, forgetting the joy that is available to us all by just being in the moment. It really is that simple and it really is that hard. So as a result of all this deep thinking, I realized I needed to step out of my self-imposed constraints and take a moment to chill out, stand in the rain and sit on the wet grass and vibe into good music. Connect with life and people, say hello to a stranger, and not live in fear of the terror we keep repeating over the nightly news. If we choose to believe the world is good, we can make it so. Thank you, Captain Picard. It really does a soul good to get out, feel the heat of a thousand people all dancing on the earth to the same beat. Now, all we each have to do is walk outside, stand on the earth, spread and reach our arms to the sky and welcome ourselves back home and fight the good fights, the ones that will save our humanity, our earth and our wild world and all of its wondrous inhabitants. I am on a journey of awakening through transition, learning to do what I can do to make for change and the wisdom to let go of what I cannot control these monumental shifts and gears that make up life, both organic and technological, along with insight and hindsight, to recognize the moments when I realize some things will never be seen again, that there are things I I never thought I would live to see, become reality, and the knowledge that perhaps, in the words of Lauren Isley, that there will be beings far beyond me into a future that I will not see, that will one day look upon my fossil and wonder the same things, passing thoughts of past, present, and future, all intersecting in a moment of transient time. So, I guess what I'm saying is, let's stop being so ridiculously selfish and self-minded. The impossible is possible as long as there is vision and creativity being nurtured to excel because it feels good to become a part of something more than just plodding along, thinking about surviving just the day, or simply taking up space. No matter your belief system, reincarnation, E equals MC square, divine intervention, instantaneous creation, God, universe, science, or religion, born again or evolved over millennia, we've each of us still only have the present to shine in. We only live this life once. That's life, a gossamer string of moments tied together that have led to here and now. What we can question and do something about is whether this is the outcome we desire or the one we loathe. Either way, it's ours to make something of, and the astonishing fact that there exists so much amazing, beautiful life, and that on the whole, we humans and our individual dramas are billions of threads in the weave of the universe. Let's not confuse or fool ourselves that we and our human machinations are the most important thing ever, because we're not. There are some truly special people, but the whole of existence is that is what is exceptionally special. I'm thinking that it is time we get over ourselves and earnestly create a plan that is realistic and doable, moment by moment, day by day, one step at a time. Create goals that will get us out of this mess we have gotten ourselves and our earth into. Prepare, as well as we can, ourselves and our children, to participate into what has become an unknowable destination and a very different future coming down the pipeline just five or ten years from now. To do that, we have to awaken. We have to accept and know in our hearts that our wild world and our efforts to practice protect. This green and blue jewel is worth everything. We can make the time and participate in the present, and more than that, enjoy the journey, the bounty, the beauty, and mind-boggling, astonishing gift that we wake up every day with the chance to say, today is mine. I have been given the gift of life to do something amazing. And so, I'd like to end today with a little quote from poet and artist Brian Andreas and his story people when you start to crack open don't waste a moment gathering your old self up into something like you knew before let your new self splash like sunlight into every dark place and laugh and cry and make sounds you never made and thank all that is holy for the gift because now You have no choice but to let all your love spill out into the world. So once again, I thank you for tuning in. Uh, This has been a little bit of a different show, a personal journey for me. And I'd like to thank all my friends, both near and far, and you, my listeners, who are helping me through this journey, one step, one moment at a time. So until next week, and I see you again. This is Ellie Weiss. And our wild world.
2: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brains firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: back. This is Ellie. So, as I've been talking about, I've been on a journey, and I worked really hard to come up with a message that felt personal, but I also thought would ring true to many of my listeners all over the world. The world has changed. We are in a new paradigm. We can see it happening, because if we look behind us at our history, we'll see it's a very different world. Today, there are children who have never grown up, or who, let's put it this way, who have grown up with always having the computer, the smartphone, this technology at their fingertips. Yes, it's made a tremendous difference in an eye-hand coordination and thinking ability to think fast and respond quickly, but is it really the same as an education We don't want our technology to be our babysitters. We need to reconnect and nurture our youth. We need to find creativity and let our technology help us do that. So you probably noticed that over the past couple of months, I uh, did a lot of encores of what I felt was incredibly critical information. Uh, These shows were done originally uh, in the past, with many of my colleagues throughout Kenya and around the world but what I found was that today even more so the information they had to share is even more important than it was a year ago so I want to thank everybody first off for tuning in and sending me comments and saying that the information was helpful for them to be able to progress and move on in their life ways So, another little bit of news. I've got a new email for all of you. So, it currently says wildeyes at wildeyes.org. I am working on updating all this information because, as you can tell, our wild world has taken a bit of a left turn, a bit of a right turn, and I'm choosing a new path. I will continue to bring you guests, experts, and knowledge and information and keep you uh, current on the pulse of what is happening today because it's important that we stay tuned in. It's also important that we just keep ourselves tuned with food. With exercise, and remember that we have this body, that it's not just a transport mechanism, for this head, this big thing that's sitting on top of our shoulders. I did a program about that once. Look it up in our archives. What's that thing sitting on your shoulders? So, in this new path, this new journey, this transformation and transition, our wild world will be bringing you some new content, new guests, and going in a few different directions. What I think about of as our wild world is not just wildlife, not just Africa, not just out there. Because we are here and we are there, so it's all coming together. It's one earth. We have to find ways to live together to engage each other, to hold hands and be physical and participate on our world. So next week, I hope you'll join us when my guest is Mike Nicholson. He's an amazing man, but he's also a representative of the man on the ground, doing what he does, living day by day and making a difference where he can. It takes each of us to do our best to participate and do what we can do. We can't control what's going on out there. We can't control the happenings of our neighbor or what someone is going to do. What we can control and what we can do is how we choose to live our lives. How we choose to go through each day moment by moment. Each little choice we make has a ripple effect. If you, let's say You think bringing your plastic bag or not taking a plastic bag from the grocery store doesn't make a dent. It does, my friend. We can't do anything about the private jets, the economy, the ships, the war machine. We can't do anything about that except vote and participate and stay on top your vote counts and not only your political vote counts but your dollar spending counts every single penny if you multiply not using a plastic bag by all the times you would have used a plastics bag bag instead of bringing your own Multiply that and think of what you have removed from the system. That's doing your thing, and it's you, and it's your responsibility, and yours alone. So, on that note... Uh, I hope you stay tuned. We've got a lot of great things coming up for you. And um, it's going to be exciting. Going to bring in a whole lot of new voices from a wide variety of areas. Uh, expanding abo- uh, above and beyond and outward from Africa. Include what's going on in the U.S. And as I've always tried to do, show us the parallels. That what we feel is happening to us here, we're not alone. We are on a global Uh, spaceship island earth it's ours to do with what we will choose but it's not an ownership thing we are stewards we are and the point is stewardship so i suggest you turn off the ipad save the battery walk outside pick up a great book and read read and remember our culture our history and find that place that works for you in getting you through the day and get your own transformative journey going. So once again, this is Ellie Weiss. I really appreciate all of my listeners, listeners, my audience, which is growing by leaps and bounds. I thank you. Uh, I feel we have important things to discuss and I would love to hear from you. So our new email is wildb4u, that's W-I-L-D, the new uh, the letter B, the number 4, the letter U, at wildeyes.org. You can always call into the station. Um, I am working on doing pre-records to get people going and to get shows lined up because I'm in the process of working on a trip to get back to Africa and bring you voices live from the field. So much is happening, and it's all happening fast. So we've got to stay tuned, and we've got to stay tuned in So thanks so much for being here. This is Ellie Weiss. You're listening to Our Wild World. Check out our website at www.wildeyes.org. Follow us on Facebook. There's three pages, Ellie Weiss, Wild Eyes Foundation, and Our Wild World. Share it with your friends. Connect. We're also on Twitter. And do a retweet and join the conversation and conservation lifeway. Thank you.